All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19 and 20. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. This is our theme verse for the day. The Bible says, haven't you yet learned that your body is the home? One translation says, temple or vessel of the Holy Spirit. God of the Holy Spirit God gave you, and that he lives within you. You know where God lives? You know where God is right now? God lives inside of his people. He dwells in the triune, the third person of the triune Godhead. Head, the Holy Spirit of God lives and dwells in here. We are not victims today. We are able to be victors. We're able to overcome because God's Spirit is in us. Your body does not belong to you. Your body does not belong to you. Verse number 20. For God has bought you with such a great price. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross and shed his blood. God has bought you with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he owns it. Brother Richard, you ready? This, this morning, Brother Richard and I are going to talk on the topic of body by God. Come on. Bodies for God. We're going to talk to you on this idea, bodies for God. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, we thank you for the grace of the Holy Spirit that's already here. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word that brings transformation. God, there are people in this room that are hungry to hear from you. Now, Lord, we stay in the spiritual so often. We stay kind of in the upper heavenly realms. But today, I believe you have a word for us in the practical, the daily areas of our life, how to live lives that bring glory to you in our physical bodies. God, I thank you that, Lord, you're going to use Richard and I to communicate your grace and your power and your help to live out the life that you have in store for us. I ask this now for every person and for us today. I ask God that you will strengthen and encourage and you will give us eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. And you may be seated. In life, many people do not reach their full potential that God has in store for them. As a matter of fact, some people even cut their life short. We can become so caught up in the every day of, the, of living our life that we live the same patterns. We do the same things that we've always done. But yet God desires to for you and I to live a life to our full potential. But we get stuck in what I call the hamster will of life. We get up in the morning we eat a quick breakfast, we get the kids ready, we get ourselves ready, we rush off to work, we get home. I mean, the same routine, day after day. And sometimes deep inside us, we feel like there just has to be more. Maybe we feel like our lives are like this guy. His name was Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy was born on Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, Buried on Sunday, and that was the end of Solomon Grande. <laughs> the fact is, today, that can sum up some of our lives today. It just seems like a blink and a blur, and we, we're just living life. We're just going through the motions. But do you know today that God has something greater for you? Do you know that God desires for every person in this room to multiply, to multiply the potential and the possibility that he's placed within you? Jesus said it like this in John 10, 10. I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. 
the plan, the purposes that God has for us will enable us to live a life of abundance and multiplication. Everyone say abundance. Everyone say multiplication. Jesus talking about the kingdom life. He said some of you will live lives of 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold. In other words, the potential that God has placed in you when you surrender your life to God and you give him your body, soul, and spirit, you will live a life that's far greater than anything you could have ever done on your own. I remember as a young man, I was living for Eugene. I was living for self, and I wasn't living a life of abundance. I wasn't living a life of, uh, of multiplication. I was living a life of division and subtraction. Everywhere I went, there was pain, pain in my life. I was giving pain to other people, and I was harming myself and hurting those who loved me most. But that's not what God has in store for us. God has a greater plan for our life. And as we step into our journey today, how do we live out this life of abundance? How do we live out this life of multiplication? There are three battles that every single one of us in this room have to overcome. Three battles, three battles. Now we're talking about our bodies today. We're talking about bodies that glorify God, a body for God today. How do we do it? The first thing is we, we must fight the battle and win the battle with the fork. Everyone say the fork. <laughs> I don't know about you today, but I love food. Anybody like to eat today? Come on, we all love to eat. And we must understand today there's a direct correlation to the food that we eat and take and to the output of our life. And God wants us to learn how to discipline ourselves and how to manage ourselves and to push ourselves away from the table and to control our fork. The second battle that we must all overcome in this life is the area of faulty thinking. Everyone say faulty thinking. Faulty thinking is just simply we're thinking wrong. Maybe we grew up and we had certain habits or certain foods that we ate in our family or certain ways of living, and we kind of poo-pooed the idea that food really matters. And we're Christians, you know, and we're not saved by what we eat, and that's true today. You're not saved by what you eat. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It just has to do with your effectiveness and fulfilling the purpose for which God has called you today. We have faulty thinking Faulty understanding about the correlation from the food that we take in our body and the impact that it has on our life. The third thing is foolish habits. Everyone say foolish habits. We've all had them. Uh, I moved to Central Florida. I weighed a strapping 165 pounds. And, and I remember I came to Florida, and we lived in Seattle. Seattle's a coffee culture. But I came to Florida, and I got introduced to a new kind of culture. I lived here for a couple of years, and when we moved over to the airport campus, we had the ability to make tea. I got introduced to this little drink called sweet tea. Anybody ever drink sweet tea in the room before? I went from 165 pounds to over 200 pounds in one year. You know what that was? That was gallons of sweet tea. That's a foolish habit. Now, some foolish habits are obvious, and you won't know them. I mean, you know, body, things that we put in our body, illicit drugs, and all the alcohol, and all those kinds of things. But there are some foolish habits that we can develop in our eating and our drinking. And today, we want to talk to you on how you, how you and I can practically have a body for God. 
Richard Miles, who has been a long-term friend, nine years now he's been at City Church. He brought his wife, Michelle. Actually, they were still single. I think you got married right before you came. And Richard brought his wife. And, and uh, I, I have so enjoyed our relationship over the years. We, we spent hours and hours together. He, for a while, was the lead deacon here at City Church. And now he's part of our trustee team. And he's the lead nutritionist for Seminole County Public Schools. And for the last nine years, every menu, he oversees all the school cafeterias, all the kitchens, and today he is a nutrition expert, and you are going to be blessed. I want City Church to give Richard Miles a great big hand as he talks to us about having a body for God. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to join you here and share with the City Church family uh, what God has revealed to us about our bodies. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago, but uh, I was in my senior year of undergrad in college um, when I took a class that gave me an unexpected change in perspective. See, it was explained to me that researchers were predicting that the upcoming generation, just a few years younger than myself, was gonna have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. The first time in American history, children were predicted to live less than their parents. And it wasn't because of some sort of great war that was supposed to happen or a rapid viral disease. It was because of chronic conditions like diabetes and heart disease and obesity which are primarily preventable with a healthy lifestyle. You know, sh shortly after, I come to find out that this tragic phenomenon was also taking place in Christian communities across America. And why does that matter? Why was that more significant to me? Well, let me explain for a moment. I expect the divorce rate in this world to go up. As the enemy's attacks on humanity intensify, it is going to rip people apart. I know that my wonderful wife, Michelle, and I, if it wasn't for God's divine intervention and support, we may not have made it through our first few years. How the heck could I expect individuals that don't have the love and support of Christ to build something healthy and tangible, life-lasting? I expect it to go up. But I expect things to be different in the body of believers. God expects things to be different in the body of believers. Let me show it to you in 2 Corinthians. You're going to see it on your screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, I'll read to you. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We are given supernatural strength to defeat the challenges that the rest of the world crumbles under. So then why are so many of us struggling with debilitating diseases or finding premature death. Well, I'm, I think it may actually be due to a long-standing, deeply rooted set of misconceptions. So today, after much prayer and consideration and research, we're gonna take a look at our bodies from God's perspective. We're gonna go back to our key verse which is going to be on our screen. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Pastor read it. I'll do it again. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Are you not, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. 
Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So as I read that and I reread that, three things kind of jumped out at me. Your body is not your own. My body belongs to God. Your body was bought at a price. You are valuable to God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit living God. Your body has a purpose for God. Now to take that in, that's a lot. And for many of us, that's going to require a change in mindset. A mindset that we're going to have to use to, to think differently and act differently. So why don't you do this? We'll help remember that together. Just simply repeat after me. My body belongs to God. My body is valuable to God. My body has a purpose for God. It is his precious possession. You know, I got a good friend who was actually here at the service before he's in my small group. His name is Kenroy, and he's a bus driver for our local school district. And Kenroy, I think he has a very clear perspective and, and understands things in a way that can help us today. See, every morning when Brother Kenroy gets on his bus, he clearly understands that the bus is not his. He does not own the bus. The bus belongs to the school district. And when Brother Kenroy gets to a set of railroad tracks, he stops, he looks both ways, he takes uh, corners very carefully as to not scratch the bus. See, he understands that the bus is valuable. You know, I look recently, a new school bus costs over $100,000. He knows it's valuable. And, and on the weekend, even though Brother Kenroy has access to the bus, he doesn't pick up all of us and go droid right across the beach, even though that would be really fun. Or my new buddy who's laying a driveway. Man, we could hit a lot of cement in there. Let's load it up with cement. No, he doesn't do that because he knows the bus has a purpose. The purpose is to help children who are students and the staff members get safely to and from school. So he does so carefully with excellence. Is anyone here happy to have a bus driver that goes around carefully with excellence, taking our children to and from school in a manner that we can trust and believe? It has a purpose. He has a purpose. He believes that. He knows that. He lives that out. My body belongs to God. My body is valuable to God. My body has a purpose for God. So how am I treating his precious possession? How are we treating this body? What does God expect to, of us? Well, I, I believe today that God expects every one of us in this room to manage our bodies. The word management in the Bible is the word stewardship. It has the concept of the understanding of taking responsibility for our bodies are God's. They're valuable to God. And God has created each of us in this room for a very, very specific purpose. God's part. You see, God created you and I in his image. In the very beginning of creation, God made all of creation. And then the last thing that he created was you and I. He actually created us from the dirt. He formed us and molded us, and he breathed his, his breath, the breath of God. He breathed into man, and we became a living being. God's spirit came. God's spirit created. God's spirit made us in his very own image, the very image of God. And when God looks at you, you know what he says? You're beautiful. You're special. You're unique. I want you to say, I'm beautiful. 
Every person in this room, you are beautiful to God. Listen, what we are talking about today is not a matter of your salvation. Eating our foods and those kinds of things are not necessarily salvation issues, but they are purpose issues. Having to deal with how we can best fulfill the plan that God has for you and I. See, God's created us. God's given us a spirit. We're no longer victims. We're victors because Christ is in us. We have, his, we have his power. We are able to live different lives. We're able to live differently because God lives and dwells within us. But we must take personal responsibility. We must manage our own body. That's our part. Everyone say God's part. God's part. Everyone say our part. Our part. Our culture today. Now listen, this is not just a self-help program. Our culture today is infatuated with beauty. And so we buff it, and we poof it, and we tweak it, and we pull it, and we cut it, and we all cut. You know what I'm talking about. We do a lot of things to our bodies today. And we got a lot of people out there selling you a lot of products. And if you eat this product, you're going to live for a million years. I'm like, well, maybe not. But let me tell you today, we do not worship the body as believers we do not worship our bodies. But with our bodies, what we do is we worship the God who created us. Come on, we worship the God who created us. This is not about body worship and about a certain kind of style or, or a certain image or look. This today is about glorifying God, about worshiping God with our bodies. And so the first thing that we must do is we must cleanse our body. Everyone say cleanse our body. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is writing to the church, and he's talking about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen, if your body is the vessel of God, then don't live like you used to live when you lived in the world. I mean, he's really clear. He's like, listen, don't, don't live the way that you used to live. Don't go to the same places. Don't commit the same kind of acts. Don't, don't live in the same manner that you used to live. Come out from among them. Be different. I have a greater purpose. I have a greater plan. It's not a, a life of subtraction and hanging on to the end. It's a life of abundance and fulfillment. And so this is what he says. He says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 1, therefore, since we have these promises, the promises of abundance, the promises of God's plan and purpose being our, accomplished in our lives, dear friends, let us purify if you're married today, you, you're wearing a ring, and most likely it's made of gold or maybe platinum. And it's probably a pretty high-quality gold or platinum. And the way that they got that high quality was that they had to purify it. They had to remove the impurities. And I want you to see today that Paul says, listen, we must purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. In other words, we take personal responsibilities for our spiritual lives. We take personal responsibility for the things that we say and the things that we do and the places that we go and the people that we hang out with and the play things that we choose to do for our re recreation and th those kinds of activities. We purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body. Notice it says the body here. Your body is valuable to God. Your body was created in the very image of God himself. Everything that, everything pertaining, that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness, holiness. See, God set you apart today, but he doesn't just set us apart from something. God always sets us apart for something greater because there's a greater call. There's a greater purpose in your life out of reverence for God. We're honoring God. 
honoring the Lord. We honor God with our bodies, by the way that we live, by the things that we put into it, by the kinds of activities. How do we do this today? How do we do this today? How do we honor God? First of all, we simply, it's a very spiritual word. The word is repentance. Repentance simply means to turn around, to change the way that we think about God and his work in our life. We're turning to God. And when we repent, we, re- we ask God to forgive us. We say, God, forgive me today. I haven't honored you with my body. God, I haven't always glorified with you with my body. And when we, when we repent, you know what we're saying? God, my body's not my own. God, my body, my life is not my own. I was bought with a price. God, I'm acknowledging today that I didn't do this right. We're acknowledging that there is one who is greater than us. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning to God. And the second thing that happens in our life when we repent is that God gives us the opportunity for a brand new start. The fact is what you did yesterday, you have the ability today by the power of God's spirit to make different life choices today. That's what the new creation is about. That's what change is about. That's what transformation is about. It's about being filled with God's spirit so that we can live a new beginning and a new snart, start, it's not snart, a new start. Come on. A new start every day. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And so we're spiritual man. Our physical bodies, we reverence God by choosing to take proper care of our body. Uh, one of the authors of this book, Dr. Amen, uh, he attended a large church in, Cal- in California, and uh, he wasn't a believer at the time, and he went with his wife to this church. He was invited by some friends, and he said it was a very large church, 20-some thousand people, and he, he walked into the door of the church, and he said the very first thing that he saw, he said he saw stacks and stacks and stacks, boxes and boxes and boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, this guy, Dr. Amen, has given his whole life to helping people overcoming bad habits. He, he's done the, some of the foremost research on, the, on the under, the understanding the brain and how the brain works in correlation to how our habits are developed. I mean, he's like a leading expert in it. And he walked into the service, and he said, you know, the, they had a couple nice songs. And then this guy gets up there and encourages people about different activities. And he said he starts to tell them about some breakfast that they're going to do. And he was listening, and the guy's spouting off all these wonderful things. They're going to have the breakfast. And he said, none of them were healthy. And then he said, the last thing before the guy left the stage, he said, and after service today, we're going to have an ice cream social out in the patio. Now, remember this guy, he's not sanctified yet. He's not even a Christ follower yet. He, he looks over to his wife and he says, these blankety-blank Christians, they just want to get people saved so they can send them right to heaven. That's exactly what he said. Five days later, five days later, he got a call from Pastor Rick Warren. Because see, Dr. Amen was a very famous psychiatrist, medical doctor who studied the brain, Dr. Rick, and he'd been on PBS and all kinds of national television programs. Dr. Rick Warren called him and said, Dr. Amen, will you help me write this book, The Daniel Plan? It's amazing how God uses people. It's amazing how God wants to help people accomplish their purpose in a greater dimension, in a greater way. Richard's going to come, and he's going to talk to us about some practical ways that we can live out this life, a body for God. Amen. So we heard the why. Our body belongs to God. We know the what. We need to manage our body. But then how? How do we practically 
and physically do this. You know, for more than a decade now, I've studied community health. I've had the opportunity to, to go and study in multiple states. I'm a practicing registered dietitian nutritionist. And as Pastor mentioned, I, I help lead as a coordinator of nutrition and wellness for our, our school district, um, getting 70,000 students uh, to be their healthiest and 7,000 uh, staff um, and team members. And as I've gone over and I've thought of these things, we always just have to have a place to start. And I found that there's, you know, four places I would encourage us to start and develop healthy habits. And that's with food, exercise, rest, and team. I'll say it again. Food, exercise, rest, and team. And yes, I'm aware that the acronym spells FERT, not fart. We don't fart at City Church. We fart. We fart for better health, okay? I'm just going to go on to the first point. Food, okay? What we eat and what we drink. Does food serve you? Or do you serve food? And that is the question. Let's take a look at how it was in the beginning. Turn with me to Genesis uh, chapter 2. We'll look at verses 8 in the first part of verse 9. I'll read it. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed, created by God. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So my first encouragement is, Enjoy real, whole, fresh food. The things that God created for you. You know, and this includes things that naturally grow outside. Things that don't require intensive farming practices and pesticides or special biodomes. It's things that you can grow in your own backyard in a garden. Does anyone have a home garden here? Any home gardeners out there? All right. All right, what an amazing thing you're doing for your family. How fresh, how great is that? And then when it comes to drinks, think about things that just have a single ingredient. Milk, water, tea, coffee. Don't have a lot of additives that Amen. actually harm the body. They just stay simple. Yeah, pastor got it. Sweet tea is not a part of the list. We'll get to that in just a moment. My second encouragement will be to avoid excess and artificial. The Bible says, and it was one of my mother's favorite verses to me growing up, you might see why in just a moment, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16, it says, if you find honey, eat just enough. If you eat too much of it, you'll vomit. Yes, the Bible actually says vomit. Yes, my little mother loves saying vomit to me. But here's the whole point of it all. When you start to feel full, stop eating and avoid mindless snacking that's putting things in your body that it just can't use and will do you absolutely no good. And try to stay away from um, the three S's. Uh, things that are high in sugar, high in salt, high in saturated fat. Uh, how do you get to know that better? Um, on the back of all of your packages of food, you'll see um, a label. That's a nutrition facts label that you can read. You can also find out more about your fresh foods. Believe it or not, if you go to any restaurant chain in the area, they actually are required by law to have nutrition information available to you. You can even check it out online before you go to the restaurant to help lead you towards a great choice. Make sure you do that. Um, you got to be careful about certain refined and synthesized ingredients like high fructose corn syrup or hydrogenated oils. Again, these things were added to foods to try to make them look a certain way or have a certain mouthfeel, a little bit of a, a certain taste. But I promise you, you can get those great mouthfeels taste with wonderful fresh foods that'll make you feel a lot better later. So I encourage you to go that route. And the last one, one we really have to be careful of is some of our high-calorie drinks like soda and sweet tea. 
<laughs> and excessive alcohol, we know they can impair our judgment and uh, unfortunately lead us to bad decisions, but also harm our liver, our appendix, and other organs we have in our body um, that are so valuable. You know, I had a coworker who's a good friend um, who actually was a gulper. Do you guys know what a gulper is? Okay, all right, the 7-Eleven big gulps, right? Okay, like the container and, you know, uh, like a big thermos. Some people call it a cooler, whatever you want to call it. So he'd go on the way to work and he'd fill it up. And then, you know, he kind of sip through the day, give him that boost. It's hard. It's a lot of work we have to do. Okay, and then on the way home, he'd come by again and he'd fill it up, right? One more time, sip it at home. You got yard work. You got kids to take care of, right? There's things to do. That was just kind of his pick-me-up. And I'm not exactly sure why, but at a certain point, he decided to, to make a change. I think it was because of a health condition. And instead of running to 7-Eleven to fill that mug up with Coke, he decided he'd take it to work and fill it up with ice water. And he did that twice a day. And would you believe in a matter of two months, with no other lifestyle change, he lost over 20 pounds? The, the inflammation that was making his hands ache and the gout symptoms went away. And shortly after, his dental health re improved remarkably from one change. Yes, one change can make a difference. And I know we shared a lot with you today. You can't write it all or memorize it all. But again, there's great resources to help you get there. We mentioned the Daniel Plan book. It was, it'll be on the screen again, just as a reminder. I, I pulled quite a few great things from there. It's not only a great book, but there's a wonderful website that uh, can provide some uh, tips each week or help you to get on track with the most modern and up-to-date information. I encourage you to do that. The next area that we need to develop healthy habits is an exercise, Right? You got to move it. I like to move it, move it. You got to move it, move it. I like to move it, Come on, you can do it with me. I got to move it, move it. I like to move it, Come on, we know that's what we got. I like to move it, move it. All right, please cut that, man. It's getting bad. All right, thank you so much, so much, so much, so much. But you got to move it, right? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 5, that a wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. You know, one of the things that I do to help me on the path of exercise is um, kind of the same thing you can use to help you get somewhere when you're driving a car. It's GPS. Get moving, push and pull, and stretch. Get moving. Just find a comfortable way to move. Just something that gets your heart pumping, that gets your blood flowing. It is so great. It provides vitality to your life. And it doesn't have to be you're running, you can be walking, you can be uh, swimming. A lot of times it's called aerobic activity, and there's so many different ways to do it. I love biking, for example, just a great way to move. And then you'll need to add some strength training. That's the push and the pull. And, you know, Pastor Joe gave us a great example over here on the bench press, and he showed us how you can push that up. And today, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't like lifting weights. But I do do push-ups. I enjoy that. And I modify push-ups at times. My wife will do uh, with me if it's a little bit easier. Or even just take an exercise uh, band and, and pull it up. Anything that can provide resistance to your muscles can help you build them into a stronger body so you can do more for the kingdom, more for your family, and more for yourself. And the final one, stretching. It enhances your flexibility it increases your range of motion. It's just how far you can move the different parts of your body to do good things. So make sure that you add stretching. Uh, plus, it can stop you from getting hurt doing the first two things. 
and it's, it's really easy these days. I mean, you can go online, you can print out a stretching poster or a guide and uh, put it somewhere where you do your morning routine. Um, I like to stretch in the morning after a hot shower. That's kind of like my thing. And how great does that feel? Uh, the third area we need to develop healthy habits is in rest. And the Bible's very clear here. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10, it says this, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God rested from his. Make time to get away from work. No matter what you do, take time away from work. And find healthy activities to do that are relaxing and refreshing. Uh, one of my favorites lately has been with my daughter, for example. After a good meal, Condoleezza and I uh, might go out to the front porch. We're blessed to have it screened in. And we'll just swing on the porch swing and feel the breeze and watch the sunset. And sometimes baby girl and I only get seven or ten minutes together. But do you know how great I feel after those seven or ten minutes refreshed? It's wonderful. You know, and, and, and you also have different things that are going to inhibit that. And that sometimes is something we need to take a break of. We have to have screen breaks. There's going to be times where you just got to turn off the television, no matter how big it is. Or, or close the computer or put down the phone. Some of us might even need to practice a screen break right now. <laughs> Not those of you who are watching online. Thank you for tuning in. Please watch the rest of the service. I appreciate you. I really do. And the final one is uh, don't undervalue sleep. And I will tell you, this is a challenging one for me. You know, and a wise man once told me that at times it can be easier to give 100 messages than it is to live out completely one. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you know what? Rest and sleep is, is, is so valuable, but at times my body, I don't get it because it's like if I'm resting, I'm not being productive. And I have a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things I want to accomplish. But then again, of course, if I get a great night's sleep, I feel wonderful in the morning, right. and I probably accomplish a lot more the next day. But you know what? Even knowing that, just two days ago as I prepared this message, I came home, and surprise, it was quiet. My parents had actually taken the kids out to have some fun. My wife was working here helping out the church, and I called her up, and I was kind of excited, and I was telling her all the things I was going to be able to do and accomplish, and she's like, Richard, stop it. Just rest. Go relax. So after she nudged me, I finally went and I just kind of laid down on the sofa and closed my eyes for a moment. Do you know, it felt great. <laughs> and I am so glad to have this awesome woman who's more valuable than gold, more precious than rubies, more divine than wine. If anyone else in here has a good wife, you might want to thank them right now. You want them to stay with you. You might want to let them know how good they really are. It's a free one for you gentlemen. Right? That's why it leads us to this last one. The fourth area, final area I have for you is team up. We got to team up. We got to work together. The Bible says here that the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Young people, follow me too. Choose your friends wisely. If your friends have a VIP table reserved at the local buffet every weekend, they may not be helping you get towards your body's goals. Or more practically, if every time you get together, it's a, it's, hey, thanks, friends. I appreciate it, guys. All right, James Brown. Thanks. Yeah, he could do a whole summer right there. So, uh, but if every time you get together, it's around a pizza and wings while sitting down in front of a flat screen TV... 
It may not help your body get to its best. So instead, maybe you can um, find that you have friends that do things differently. It was really cool that I had the sergeants that uh, actually came by with their daughter just a couple weeks ago to play with ours, and they're going out on date night. And Brother Larry decided, man, he wanted to pick out something new. They tried a vegetarian restaurant. I think it was called, was it the Dandelion Cafe? All right. Sounds kind of quirky, a little 70s. Maybe I got to take your shoes off. But when Brother Larry came back, he said the food was amazing. So maybe it's a different mindset. Choosing a restaurant that serves something nutritious and delicious that you can enjoy, right? And, you know, you can also do fun things like join an exercise class. My wife, she went out with uh, uh, Kim, his wife, who does uh, Zumba. They had fun. All right. They all went out and had a great time. Uh, uh, recently, we went to watch my nephews in a Christian basketball league. I love basketball. What a fun way to get active, to push each other. I like competition, too. Or you can start or join a small group. Yeah, we had uh, Brother Ben and Brother Doug who were here uh, at the service before. They actually have a, a really cool group that's going to be running from uh, the Big Apple, New York City, all the way down here to City Church over the next few months. I mean, not, not literally. You don't have to take four months off of work and run along the side of the highway. But they're tracking steps and pushing each other, spurring each other on to reach that goal. How cool is that? No matter what your activity is or what you decide to do, I encourage you to consider doing it with a buddy because we are better together. The Bible makes it clear in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two can accomplish more than twice as much as one for the results can be much better. So I'll be teaming up with you and praying for you too. Come on, let's give Richard a great big hand. So what do smart people do? Smart people just don't drink smart water. Smart people listen. And the fact is, there are some actionables today. There's some action steps. There are some so what's to this message. The first thing is that you've got to flee from some things. Everyone say flee. flee. I mean, I know this is, you know, this is fairly basic here today, but some of us have been on the treadmill or the hamster wheel of life for so long and God's been speaking to you about some things that you really need to put aside. Some things that maybe you need to change about your lifestyle, about the way you eat or how you take care of your body physically and your exercise. You got to run from some things so that you can run towards something that's better, something that's greater. Ten years ago, the very first time that we did the Daniel Plan at City Church, we, we did 50 days of fitness. And up to that point, I had never, you know, I mean, I've, I've always been active and moving, and, but I got really intentional and focused, and I got myself a Fitbit. For the very first time, I started tracking my movement. I've advanced now, and I've grown, and I use different apps now, and I have the iWatch now, and I'm actually, I'm partners with different people in the church and on our iWatches, and we have a goal today of how many steps or how many miles we have to run, and we have a certain amount of physical activity, and I got to tell you, I don't do it every day. I don't hit the goal, but I have a goal. I have a goal. I have a very simple goal that I've written out. It's not complicated. It's a simple one. So I'm fighting. I'm fighting for my best life. I'm fighting for the life that God has in store for me. The second thing is we got to follow God's plan. Everyone say, follow God's plan. Everyone say, furt. You got to be careful how you say that there. Furt. Food, exercise, rest, and get into a small group. This is small group Sunday. Teamwork makes the dream work. Get into a small group. Keep others accountable. I'm part of that group with Doug and Ben, and we spur one another on towards love and good works. 
And so we do that. We're, we're following God's plan for our life. And the last thing is everyone say fight. We're running, but we also got to fight the good fight of faith. Let me tell you today, we fight to win a prize, a fight that's a prize that's going to endure forever. Living out, living out our body for God. You have a call in. Come on, you may give God a great big hand this morning. You have a call in your life today. God has a purpose and a plan for you. Some of, some of us today, you're way far down the journey. You've always done this, and you're mindful. Some man, you know, you know, everyone in the room, we know. Some of you today just need to take the first step, and it's a baby step. Just take a baby step. Just to do the GPS. Get moving. Get moving. Do some basic things that you can do in your life. I want you to close your eyes as the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today about change. What I love about God's power, God's spirit, I mean, he never leaves me a victim to my circumstances or to my upbringing or to my way of life. God's spirit is in me not to leave me a victim, but he's created me to be a victor. I'm not powerless today, and you're not powerless today. We have God's power in us. The Holy Spirit, we're the vessel that he lives in, we're the body, we're the home that he dwells in. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. In your mind, I just I want you to commit to at least one thing that you're going to do different. One thing. I mean, start today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start today. One thing you're going to do different. One thing you're going to commit yourself. One thing you're going to write down. One thing you're going to tell a friend about. I'm going to, I'm going to make this change by God's power and by God's grace in my life. If you settle this in your heart right now, I'm going to pray. Pray for every person in this room. Father, I thank you today for the grace and the power of your spirit that enables us to do and to live and to become the people you've called us to be. People of purpose. People who live out our lives to glorify you in our body. Our bodies are for you. Our bodies are for you to bring glory to your name. Father, I pray today God, that you'll strengthen us, you'll encourage us. Lord, in a practical way, we'll leave this place changed by the power of your Spirit. God, as we say yes to you and your plan for our life, we love you, Jesus, in your wonderful name.